This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. In 24 minutes, I'm going to be joined by Colin Weatherwax. First of all, how'd you like a name like Colin Weatherwax? How great is that? You know, I mean, that's a memorable name. You're at a cocktail party. You're meeting people. Oh, uh, Frank Johnson, um, you know, Bill Smith, uh, Brendan Lantry. Oh, uh, Colin Weatherwax. Whoa. Who are you going to remember? You're going to remember Colin Weatherwax. Well, anyway, um, he is the CEO of something called Cars for Kids. Now, don't confuse Cars for Kids with Cars for Kids. I know it's confusing. Don't be confused. We're going to hopefully unconfuse you in 23 minutes. There's two groups. One is called Cars for Kids with a C. One is called Cars for Kids with a K. And both of them take cars that you donate, and ostensibly give it to charitable endeavors. Apparently, these two groups, I'm going to find out the real deal in 23 minutes, these two groups hate each other. I am not sure which is the great one with the great jingle, but I suspect we may have booked the wrong guy if we were looking to hear that jingle again. We'll see. We'll see. He might have some other value even beyond the jingle. We'll see. Uh, but that's coming up in a mere 23 minutes. For now, I know a lot of you have been looking forward to this. A lot of you who listen to this program on the podcast start your Saturdays with this, sometimes your Fridays with this. Uh, by the way, my kudos to the podcast department at our network. They have done a masterful job the last few days, not only not making any mistakes, but getting these podcasts up in a really timely manner i mean it's like the old days they're getting these podcasts up right after the show which is great great i love it that was one of the frequent complaints that i was getting for a while is uh oh it takes so long to get the podcasts up now they're johnny on the spot with getting these podcasts up hey matt blaze who do we have to thank for that is that you i cracked the whip you cracked the whip i know Absolutely. that's not true cracked i've seen the whip I've seen made sure they of- knew what they were doing <laughs> i said these podcasts must be up by 5.30 a.m. every day. Whoosh. Yeah, I know that didn't happen. Okay, Mr. Blaze. Okay, yeah, Mr. Right, Blaze. Right. Uh, I think 80% of the staff has to be periodically reminded that we still work here. I think neither of us is in the crack the whip <laughs> category. If we walk here during the day, they're all like, who, who is that's this right. guy? That's right. That's right. That's right. You, you got to see these looks that I get from people when I'm walking around. Oh, like, I don't even know who, like, I don't even know what the receptionist looks like. Oh, neither do I. I have no idea. Neither do I. No clue. In fact, uh, there could have been three receptionists in the last year. I don't know if there was or wasn't. Somebody asked I me. I have no idea. Somebody asked me, oh, did you, did you talk to Sophia about that? I said, I said, who's Sophia? Right. Who? That's a person that works here? I have no idea. I just I don't know, know email names. That's it. 
Right, same. All right. Well, anyway, the people that do listen on the podcast, they really look forward to starting their Friday or their Saturday with a little dose of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. And denounce I will. The Ayatollah has his fatwa. I have my denunciations. In some quarters of the non-Muslim world, this is even more powerful than a fatwa. Let me begin by denouncing Mariam Moshiri. Mariam Moshiri is a uh, an anchor for BBC News, or as they call them in the UK. She is a BBC News presenter. She has apologized, not getting her off the hook on a denunciation, for get, flipping the middle finger live on air on Wednesday. Mariam Moshiri. The chief presenter at the British Network said she was joking around a bit with the team when she stuck up her middle finger just as the broadcast went to air. I just don't understand these people. You know, um, veteran TV people, veteran radio people, they still use this this thing. Oh, I didn't know the camera was on. I didn't know the microphone was on. I, I guarantee you, um, you will never, ever see any footage of me you using the middle finger. I don't think I've ever used the middle finger, number one. But two, don't you know that if you're in the middle of a live broadcast, even if you think the camera's not on you, that there's a good chance that the camera might be? Why do that? Why why do that? And then have uh, you know have people be, need to be seeing an obscene gesture. Now, is it the biggest deal that they see a middle finger? Of course not. But why? I mean, why? I mean, you want to joke around with the team? Sure. Go to a bar after work. I mean, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, and I still hear that from so many radio people. Oh, I didn't know we were on the air. I didn't know we were on the air. Well, you know what? You know what you should do? When the microphone's on, act like you're on the air. Miriam Moshiri, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the Nigerian army. The Nigerian army made a mistake. Now, we all made make mistakes from time to time. But not like the Nigerian army has. An army drone strike has accidentally killed 85 people at a public religious gathering. 85 innocent people, including children, including the elderly. Um, It may be over 85 in this tiny little rural village, and you hear the people who witnessed this scene, they just described this horrific scene of all these mutilated bodies. Even the president has come out and pledged, he called it disturbing and painful, he's pledged a thorough and full-fledged investigation into the incident, which he described as a bombing mishap. A spokesman for the army said its forces had located a group of people and determined they were militants, who officials often refer to as bandits, and uh, officers misinterpreted their pattern of activities to be similar to that of the bandits. All these people were innocent. There were no bandits among them. You know what? How about if you're going to blow up gatherings of 90 people, 100 people, 85 people, Let's have reasonable certainty 
that these are actually the bad guys that you're going for. That goes for any country in the world. The United States has killed our fair share of uh, of people accidentally. Not like this. So if you can't use drones responsibly, you know what? Then you shouldn't be using drones to kill people. Rely on good old-fashioned living soldiers to kill people, not these flying robots in the sky that are shooting. Nigerian army, I do denounce you. And I must also denounce California. California has been named the worst state in the entire country to retire on Social Security. There, is, there are a variety of factors, but whether it's health index, cost of living index, uh, Insider Monkey has looked at a variety of criteria, and they found that of all 50 states, California is one of the worst states in the whole country to retire on Social Security. The cost of living in the state is 36.4% higher than the national average, making it almost impossible for retirees to survive on fixed incomes. The state isn't tax-friendly either. Income from retirement accounts and pensions, they're subject to some of the, the highest state income tax rates in the country. Sales tax rate, one of the highest in the country as well. So if you're retired, I wouldn't live in California. I mean, unless, unless you're independently wealthy. If you're independently wealthy, what difference does it make to you? Go for it. California, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the city of Port Wentworth, Georgia. Port Wentworth, Georgia, after a lawsuit filed by the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, has been forced to apologize. They arrested a homeless veteran for holding a sign outside City Hall that simply said, God bless the homeless vets. So they apologized and paid up to settle this lawsuit about their arrest of a veteran holding a sign that said, God bless the homeless vets. This is uh, clearly a, I mean, dramatic infringement on the First Amendment. It's going to give $1,791 to Mr. Jeff Gray as part of this settlement. And uh, they found out the hard way that you cannot bulldoze constitutional rights and get away with it. So uh, Mr. Gray regularly examines whether governments know and respect citizens' First Amendment rights, and uh, he said he's thankful for the outcome here. So there you go. Um, Port Wentworth, Georgia, I do denounce you. I must also denounce these people protesting look they have every right to protest but they're idiots and marching in philadelphia in front of a kosher falafel restaurant now think about this they're protesting a a restaurant in america because they don't like the actions of israel also a lot of the things that the protesters were saying were absolutely vile and anti-semitic but you see, uh, people. So the restaurant's called Goldie Falafel. It's a falafel restaurant, and you see the people in video. You can see it for yourself. But they're out there chanting, "Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide." Now think about that. 
this is a falafel restaurant. As best I can tell, they're not committing genocide at the falafel restaurant. They're not even refusing to serve Arabs or Muslims or Christians. I think they're serving anybody that wants to go in there and buy a falafel. And yet, these morons are outside of this restaurant saying, we charge you with genocide. Now, again, I find this so reprehensible, and I would have the same reaction. There's a, a Palestinian restaurant in the borough that I live in. I would have the same reaction if people were protesting outside of that restaurant and uh, denouncing the people at that Palestinian restaurant for being supportive of Hamas. I mean, these are people in America trying to run a business, trying to make ends meet, trying to put out a good product, and for them to be targets of this kind of anti-Semitic hatred, it's really, in my view, reprehensible. And, uh, you know, my sister-in-law, who is Jewish, she was in Philadelphia because she was trying to get a passport quickly for her baby, and it was easier for her to do in Philadelphia than, um, than it was where she lives. And so you know what she did? She made a point to patronize this specific restaurant because she didn't like that they were being targeted. And I, I say good for her. I hope a lot of people do that. And if I'm in, my cousin lives in Philadelphia, I'm going to encourage her to do the same thing. So uh, the people protesting outside Goldie's falafel, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Ricky Butler. Ricky Butler has um, been sentenced to 10 years in prison for dealing drugs. Well, what's the big deal? A lot of people deal drugs. They don't all get denounced. This is a special case. This is a Detroit man who got a decade-long prison sentence for dealing drugs while on pretrial release from a previous drug-dealing charge. So the guy was arrested for drug dealing, was waiting for his trial on drug dealing, was under supervised release, and while he's on supervised release, first of all, one questions how good the supervision was that he was able to do any drug dealing on supervised release. While he was on supervised release, he was dealing drugs. Here's a uh, pro tip for the drug dealers among you. If you're awaiting trial for uh, drug dealing, eh, maybe take a break from the drug dealing. Just wait. Wait until you get convicted or acquitted or wait until you're friendly with someone that gets pardoned. I mean, that happened with, um, you know, somebody that uh, Trump pardoned in New Jersey. Um, they got pardoned and then they went back to committing the same old crime. I don't like that he did that, but at least he waited until he was pardoned. He didn't go out and do it while he was on supervised release. Ricky Butler. I do denounce you. I must also denounce Jamal Adams, the Seattle Seahawks safety, a star player for the Seattle Seahawks. He mocked a reporter's wife on social media. Now, look, I, I think a lot of people get crazy on social media. Certainly all the people in my Facebook group uh, that are criticizing me on a daily basis, they get a little crazy. But he didn't back down. So he was criticized for his defense, uh, his uh, defense on a game-winning touchdown by the Cowboys. And uh, Connor Hughes, a journalist for SNY TV, who's been covering the Jets since Adams played for New York, retweeted the play and captioned it, yikes. That's what he said. 
Guy's a sports commentator, Connor Hughes. So last Friday, Adams used the same caption and a mocking emoji when tweeting a photo of Hughes' wife. So he's basically saying the wife's ugly. He found the reporter that criticized him on Twitter, tweeted a photo of his wife, and said, yikes. In my view, this is totally... It's so low rent and um, really bush league. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't know why you need to invoke the guy's wife. The guy's wife didn't do anything. You have an issue with him? Respond to him. Even if you have to take a uh, a childish insult to, to him, okay. That's the nature of the beast. But I don't like when people bring wives and children and people that didn't do anything into these sort of disputes. But what's worse is this fella, Mr. Adams, offered no remorse whatsoever for his actions, saying, quote, it's always the athlete that crossed the line when he responds. But at the end of the day, disrespect is disrespect, however you want to take it, so I responded. So he refused to back down after mocking this reporter's wife. He did ultimately delete it. So, but no apology. No apologies. So there you have it. Connor Hughes' wife being made fun of. Jamal Adams, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the uh, Las Vegas shooter, the shooter at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I am not going to mention this guy's name because I don't want to turn these people into celebrities, even posthumously. But this is someone who um, was a professor who wasn't hired for a professor job. He was armed with a 9mm handgun. He killed three people. Gun was purchased legally. And uh, they determined that this professor had a list of people he was seeking at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and faculty from uh, East Carolina University and others. None of the individuals listed on the list were victims in the shooting. The suspect was killed in a shootout with police detectives who responded to the scene. I mean, clearly this gentleman was mentally ill, but I still have to denounce him. This is a guy that earned a master's of business administration at Duke University. And then he received a Ph.D. in business administration from the University of Georgia. You know, uh, thank God. Thank God the school didn't hire him. What if he would have been in the school and and just snapped because of something else when he's with all these students. Could have, could have hurt a lot more people and killed a lot more people. So to this unnamed UNLV shooter, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Nick Cannon. You know, I don't have a problem with Nick Cannon. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think much about Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon was on another radio show called The Breakfast Club. Very popular show. It's one of the most popular shows in the country. So during this interview, Nick Cannon is essentially whining about how much he spends on trips to Disneyland every year. Now, Nick Cannon has 12 children, and he takes his children to Disneyland at least once a month to his, uh, you know, celebrate kids' birthdays and holidays. And he says, quote, to move around Disney like I'm probably spending 200 grand a year at Disneyland. And he says, I used to be an employee. It's no longer free. And I only had two kids then. I just I don't understand how tone deaf you can be. First of all, this guy is a multimillionaire. Second of all, who told this guy to have 12 kids? 
If you had one kid or two or three, something tells me it wouldn't be 200 grand a year. Third, there's a lot of families that I think would love the opportunity to go to Disneyland just once. This guy's going every month. I mean, I don't want to come down too hard on the guy because we all whine about whatever's annoying us on the uh, on that day. But you talk about tone deaf. You, you got 12 children with multiple different women. You are taking them to Disneyland every month. You're a multimillionaire. And then you're whining about the cost of tickets to Disneyland? How about somebody that is making low six figures? Imagine how difficult it is for them. I I, I don't get it. How about counting your blessings, Nick Cannon? Nick Cannon, I do denounce you. And lastly, I must denounce Texas State Representative Fred Frazier. Fred Frazier intends uh, to plead either guilty or no contest to charges accusing him of impersonating a public servant and taking down his political opponent's campaign signs last year. State Representative Fred Frazier, a Republican, uh, essentially, he can continue to serve in the Texas State House of Representatives with a misdemeanor. Had he been convicted of a felony, he would have faced expulsion, George Santos style. Of course, in the House of Representatives, they don't wait until you're actually convicted anymore. But in June of 2022, Frazier turned himself in on accusations of impersonating a code enforcement officer to get rid of his primary opponent's campaign signs in February. So the Texas Rangers, the law enforcement group, not the baseball team, began an investigation into Frazier after primary opponent Paul Chab- uh, Chabot filed a police report after some of his signs were were, sold, were stolen. Chabot said he was told by a Walmart manager that a person who identified themselves as a code compliance officer with the city of McKinney said the signs needed to be removed because they were supposedly out of compliance. I mean, that is so sick. This guy pretended to be a code enforcement officer just to take down his opponent's sign. That is so bizarre. Representative Fred Frazier, I do denounce you, and I got news for you. If I ever end up in um, McKinney, Texas, as a resident, I will not be voting for you. No, sir, no way, no how. All right, that concludes uh, this week's edition of Denunciations. If you have a... um, a thought or a comment on who I have denounced, you are welcome to share it. 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. In a moment, we will talk with Colin Weatherwax, the CEO of Cars for Kids. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's 
Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is another birthday bumper music selection from Serena Stonick. Uh, so we're trying to track down the fella from uh, Cars for Kids. But um, I don't know. There was some confusion in, uh, in terms of, you know, whether he was calling us or whether we're calling him. And then, uh, you know, Matt Blaze was very late getting them the call-in number. And then, uh, we, you know, when they didn't get the call-in number, they said, we're going to pull out of this interview. If we don't get the call-in number, we got them the call-in number. And they're still not around. You know what bugs me, though, is it's almost like the situation that I had with turning down that Rayo's dinner invite last night, which is, you know, I had booked someone else at this time. Great person, great author. And we're going to have him on next week, I think. And then I, I forgot to record in the calendar that I had booked this person. You know, there's a lot going on. To book 20 hours of radio a week, you know, it's it's a lot to keep track of. You know, it's pretty much just me doing it by myself. And I forgot to record it in the calendar on the proper date. So then I booked this Cars for Kids guy at the same time. And I had to tell the guy right before the show, you know, when he was reaching out to me to confirm, go over details with the interview, I said, I'm sorry, sir. You know, I... I double book this can we do this next week now he's probably awake right now i could call the other guest that we had originally had booked and say uh, hey i know we told you but a couple hours ago we didn't want you but how about coming on anyway but i feel bad doing that so um so the good news is you're the beneficiary plenty of time for you and me to chat four open lines if you want to comment 800-848-9222 that's uh, 800-848-9222 Two, two. Uh, you can also weigh in on uh, anything we're saying in the world of Twitter at uh, eight hundred at um, Frank Morano. I still call it Twitter, even though that I realize it is indeed X. So you could have a look at that. All right. Um, one thing I did want to comment on earlier. So it's just as well that um, you know, Mister Colin Weatherwax is not available is the controversy involving Congressman Thomas Massey. Are you familiar with this? Congressman Thomas Massey is uh, he's a Republican from Kentucky. He's basically, since Ron Paul retired, he's basically like the new Ron Paul. He's very similar to Rand Paul in his politics. He's basically 
a uh, libertarian. So he is very critical of all foreign aid for all countries, including Israel. They call him Dr. No, um, the new Dr. No. They used to call Ron Paul that because he votes no on almost everything. So he is being condemned by top Democrats and the White House for sharing a meme that suggested Congress embraces Zionism more than American patriotism. So the Kentucky Republicans post on, I'm still going to call it Twitter, I know it's X, Twitter showed one photo of the rapper Drake holding his hand up and looking away with the captions, Congress these days, and American patriotism. Meanwhile, they're looking away from patriotism. That's the meaning of the meme. And then you look right below that, and this is one of those things that they use the same image for all sorts of stuff. So you look right below that, and in the next photo, Drake is seen smiling and pointing towards another caption that reads, Zionism. So basically, in this meme, and again, it's so silly. Can you imagine the era that we're living in that we're debating the memes that congressmen are sharing? Uh, But we are. So basically what he's saying is Congress these days is not concerned with American patriotism. They're more concerned with Zionism. This meme has been shared by – excuse me, viewed by more than three million times – it earned the scorn of the Biden administration. All Americans, uh, this is what the Biden administration uh, tweeted, the White House communication director, Herbie Ziskind. All Americans, including House GOP leadership, should condemn this virulent anti-Semitism from a sitting member of Congress. Massey was the only Republican to vote against the uh, a GOP-backed resolution condemning anti-Semitism. Well, uh, that passed the House uh, on Tuesday, 311 to 14. A lot of Democrats voted present, but only, only a dozen or so. 92 Democrats voted present, and then 13 of them voted with Massey no. Massey was the only Republican to vote no. And uh, basically, as I understand the... You know, as the resolution, again, it has no uh, power of law, but it was uh, the emotion to strongly condemn and denounce the drastic rise of anti-Semitism in the United States and around the world. Um, and 13 Democrats voted against it with Massey and the uh, other Democrats that voted present. They did so because the, the resolution stated that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. So one House Democrat who supported the resolution, New York Democrat Richie Torres, criticized Massey. He said, uh, Thomas Massey, a House Republican, is pitting American patriotism against Zionism. Most Americans are both pro-America and pro-Israel and see no contradiction between the two. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer also blasted Massey and urged him to remove the post that's been liked 26,000 times. This is what Schumer said on Twitter. Representative Massey, you're a sitting member of Congress. This is anti-Semitic, disgusting, dangerous, and exactly the type of thing I was talking about in my Senate address. 
Schumer had addressed the Senate when he sounded the alarm over uh, a disturbing spike in anti-Semitism since the October 7th attack. But Massey was defiant in a follow-up tweet um, he to, to Schumer. He said, if only you cared as much about our border as you do my tweets. House Speaker Mike Johnson's office told the NBC News the White House would be better spent condemning the 100-plus Democrats who refused to support a, de- a resolution condemning anti-Semitism today on the House floor. And I kind of get what Johnson's saying there, is they're picking on the one Republican that voted against this resolution when 100 members of the president's own party didn't vote for it. You know what was interesting? Uh, Jewish Democratic representatives Dan Goldman and Jerry Nadler and Jamie Raskin of Maryland they encouraged fellow Democrats to only vote present on the resolution. They put out a statement that said today's resolution is just the latest unserious attempt by Republicans to weaponize Jewish pain and the serious problem of anti-Semitism to score cheap political points. Uh, Additionally, they wrote, among other problems with this resolution, the resolution does not account for the complexity of Judaism itself and ignores nuanced examples such as the Satmar sect, a Hasidic Jewish movement which remains staunchly anti-Zionist and quite obviously is not anti-Semitic. But they approved it anyway, and it doesn't really have any impact on anything. A couple of things here. Like, I'm not into sharing these memes, really. But I don't think that um, Thomas Massey and these others that voted against this, I don't think they did anything wrong. Um, I don't think equating anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism is the right thing to do. I think you can, you know, Zionism is a great thing. If you support the state of Israel, wonderful. But I I don't think we should say that if you don't support the state of Israel, that you're anti-Semitic. I really don't. I mean, Judaism has been around for 5,000 years, and Zionism is a relatively new political philosophy, and up until recently, it was a very controversial one. So there have been there's been instances of anti-Semitism that long predate Zionism. And you know, we had a caller a couple of weeks ago, and I disagreed with him, but he was Jewish. He described himself as an Orthodox Jew, and I have no reason to disagree with him. That he said basically that Israel needed to be dismantled, and I completely disagree with him. But I'm not going to say that he hates Jews. The guy's Jewish himself. So I don't think that the issues of of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism are the same. I don't. And I realize that puts me in the super minority along with uh, Thomas Massey. But I don't. I'm curious what you think. 800-848-9222. As I've said, I'm, I'm just so done with all these legislative bodies passing these non-binding resolutions instead of passing actual legislation. And uh, as far as as sharing this meme, I don't share Biden's view that it's anti-Semitic at all. I don't. I, uh, I think he's got every right to share whatever kind of meme that he wants, provided that it's, um, you know, provided that it's not obscene. I'm sure you disagree. I'd love to hear from you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. So, Matt, you got Larry from Brooklyn on who was on already. Why don't I just tell him we're not going to take his call? Well, he wanted, 
he wanted to use his. Oh, he wanted a waiver. Pass. Oh, okay, he wanted a waiver. Okay, so you, you didn't specify that he w- was using his his weekly waiver. I did. I, 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 it's on there. Did you not see it? No. Oh, using the past comment. I see. Yeah, okay. Using All right. the past. All right, that's that's a little awkwardly worded. So be it. Uh, by the if you're new to the show, we let you call in once per show. However, once a week we give you a waiver where you can um, basically call in twice within the same show. But you can only do that once a week. So Larry's using his. And luckily for him, our guest is nowhere to be found. So here we are. Larry, hello. Yeah, I figured I'd use my waiver, Frank, because, I mean, why waste a good waiver? I haven't used it this week, you know? Absolutely, uh, Larry. Welcome. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk about Israel because that's too, uh, it's too, it's too common. But uh, um, I, I wanted to talk about you. You denounced this uh, rep- this athlete for uh, for criticizing a reporter's wife. I felt like you were being too politically correct with that because a lot of times the criticism you don't know where the criticism is coming from. It could be inspired by his wife too. And uh, you know, I had that problem myself. I reunited with a friend from high school. Um, on Facebook, and we, you know, we were communicating really good for a couple of years, and all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, he accuses me. He says, "I'm not too happy about you stalking my family on Facebook." And what do you mean? I was just following his sons. I wanted to see how his sons developed. You know, I was very interested in everything. Sure, right. And he, and he could, and so I thought that that comment may have been inspired by his wife. So I, that was the end of our friendship. I lashed out at his wife on Facebook. I lashed out at him. I covered all my bases because I thought it might have come from his wife. So I don't think you can really draw that line arbitrarily and well, denounce look, somebody. If he, if he said either in his explanation or in the tweet itself that the wife had something to do with – first of all – these reporters' job is to make comments about sports. The guy did make a bad play, and the guy tweeted about it. He said, yikes. Okay, so you want to give the, the guy that said that a hard time? Fine. But if there's, if there's some reason that you needed to invoke the guy's wife there, you should say it. Otherwise, I think it's an unnecessary cheap shot. If it was that case, I, I would agree with you. But I don't know if you're close enough to the situation. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just, I just look. I, my the, my total knowledge is reading three three articles about it that were very short. So no, I mean maybe there is some something there. But um, I just think in general, I just hate that stuff. G- going after people that uh, th- that uh, there's no evidence anyway that didn't do anything to you. Well, in that case, you would be right. But if, if you knew that much. You know. All right. Uh, well, anything else you want to share there? Um, just one more thing about. I have to say this about about. I believe that anti-Zionism is anti anti-Semitism because simply because of the fact that Zionism represents the personal aspirations of only Jewish people, nobody else. It's not like uh, anything that's shared by the, any other people striving for their homeland. It's 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 very very peculiar to the Jews. So so that's why for that reason alone it would it, I believe it's it's one and the same. Uh, well, I think that's very reasonable, Larry. I, I disagree, but for the reasons that I stated and uh, and others have, but you know it's very reasonable. I just don't think you know you know what it strikes me as it's almost like a uh, a sister soldier moment for President Biden and for Chuck Schumer. You remember when President Clinton denounced Sister Soldier? I, you know, the truth is nobody even knew who Sister Soldier was before that. 
but you find somebody who, um, you know, you find somebody to show righteous indignation in reacting to so that you can kind of play to the cheap seat. I just, I, I don't, I don't, maybe Sister Soldier is not the right example because I guess if he was denouncing um, the 12 Democrats that voted against the resolu- resolution, maybe that would be the Sister Soldier moment. But I think Thomas Massey's explanation of this is very reasonable, uh, both on the meme and um, I, uh, you know, I I don't have a problem with it. Uh, by the way, I should note, especially since we were playing Beatles music, uh, John Lennon was actually killed on this date in 1980. So very apropos that we were playing uh, Let It Be. It was uh, 43 years ago today that uh, John Lennon was murdered outside the Dakota. We're still trying to get that guy who wrote about Lennon murder truth. I think his theory, if I remember correctly, is that it was actually Stephen King that uh, that shot John Lennon. I don't believe that's the case, but I'd love to have him on the show to talk to him about that. All right. 800-848-9222. Original Rick is in Original New Jersey. Hello. Yes, good morning, Frank. Hi. Uh, I, on, on the uh, Zionism thing, I, I agree with you completely. Um, my grandfather left Italy in the you know early 20, or late 20s, early 30s, because he saw the rise of Mussolini. He said, I, I got to get out of here. He wasn't anti-Italian. He was anti the government of the way it was going. You can be against the uh, Israeli government and still love the Jewish people. It's just the people running the government you're against. Am I wrong? Or Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, I guess if you're against Zionism, though, they're saying that you're against the idea that uh, that Israel should exist as a Jewish state. And I guess the argument that they're saying is, if you don't want a Jewish state, then you're anti-Semitic. Uh, what, what I said and what these Jewish Democrats have said is, look, it is possible to actually be Jewish and think that, um, you know, that Zionism is not a, a, a good philosophy. So I don't think it's the same. But even more than that, though, Rick, this has no force of law, right? This is not legislation. It's not a budgetary matter. It's basically a a PR move that Congress is doing. I mean, with all the real problems that the country is facing, this is not going to do anything to reduce anti-Semitism at all. I mean, there's nobody that's going to go out and and assault a Jewish person or uh, vandalize a synagogue and they say, oh, well, you know, Congress passed this 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 resolution, this non-binding resolution. So now I'm not going to do it. I mean, it's just it's just meaningless pandering. I agree. That's why I called to say I agree. All right, Rick. Thank you. Have a have a good weekend. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. You should also join our Facebook group. You can uh, just search Morano Radio fans and haters on uh, on Facebook. Uh, We're going to continue with your calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Almost heaven, 
West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place. John Denver singing Country Roads, a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, Seven minutes until the uh, top of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moran. I'll go back to your calls in a minute. You know, Speaking of Thomas Massey, um, he had two very good interviews that I caught this week. One was on Glenn Greenwald's show, System Update. That, that's now become my favorite daily show now that Tucker Carlson is off the air. I watch it on uh, Rumble. And he was very good. And uh, I haven't watched it yet, but last night Glenn had a very good debate on the Israeli-Palestinian issue with two people that I really respect that I'm looking forward to watching. But um, he was also on with Tucker Carlson and one of the, on uh, Tucker's Twitter show. And on both of those shows, but mostly on Tucker, Thomas Massey talked about the folly of all this Ukraine funding because now they're ramping up the pressure – to double down on, I'll call it, throwing good money after bad, borrowed good money after bad while we're at it, in terms of Ukraine funding. Basically, President Biden did that same thing yesterday. This is uh, President Biden talking about the importance of continuing this Ukraine funding. Listen to this. And that we- All right, we'll, we'll start again. Uh, we didn't have my computer up. Here's President Biden. Well, we've committed as a NATO member that we defend every inch of NATO territory. Then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. Now, I mean, Biden is now threatening to send American servicemen into war if Congress doesn't pass the $61 billion, just think, think about that. He's actually raising the possibility of American troops fighting Russian troops. Listen to this. Well, we've committed as a NATO member that we defend every inch of NATO territory. Then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. Now, that is true. That is the obligation that every NATO country has under Article 5, that an attack on one is an attack on all. But uh, I think uh, I think it's really uh, reprehensible that the president would be almost trying to scare the American people and, oh, you better you better pass this funding now. Otherwise, uh, Putin's going to go into Montenegro. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not terribly eager to uh, shed any American blood defending Montenegro either. But, um, you know, that's a, a broader conversation about NATO expansion. 
800-848-9222. I'm sorry that I didn't bring in uh, my Aunt Camille's egg salad today, which I did pick up yesterday. It looks quite good. I haven't tried it yet. But I was under the impression, based on an, an email that went out internally, that we were now getting pizza courtesy of the good folks of Grimaldi's on Fridays. What's the story there, Matt? Do you know anything about that? Was there pizza today? From what I heard, the pizza is coming Friday, like during the day. Oh, so we're not counted towards Friday. No. Even though it's Friday. Right. I guess I should have put in the call. I see. No, I mean, no, it's fine. It's just I feel bad for you guys because you're deprived of egg salad just because I thought, you know, no one's going to eat the egg salad with all this Grimaldi's pizza laying around. And I would have brought it in had Uh I known that, you know, you were not going to have the pizza. So I'll bring it in Monday if there's any left. We'll see. All right. Uh, 800-848-9222. Arnold is in Brooklyn. Hello, Arnold. Oh, hi, Frank. I want to say as a Jew, I have grown to learn to accept anti-Zionism as an index for anti-Semitism. Um, I'm an Orthodox Jew, and I appreciate that some great Orthodox leaders th- throughout the generations were opposed to Zionism, and uh, I w- I'm willing to accept their criticism because they do it out of love, and they say it's a religious principle, and uh, we can argue over a re- religious principle. But when an outsider comes in and wants to abolish the only Jewish state that exists, I am suspicious. And until October the 7th, I was willing to entertain that there were many people in the intelligentsia of the United States who are intellectually opposed to the uh, Zionism, but they're not anti-Semites, which is what their claim was. But now we see that the demonstrations against Israel don't say, you know, restrain Israel. They say burn the Jews or kill the Jews. So until I am re-educated, I am willing to accept anti-Zionism as a form of anti-Semitism. All right, I Imagine think that's... Re- if you will, th- Sorry, that we, I tell you that I'm not anti-Italian, but I want to abolish the only Italian state in the world. Well, first of all, then I, I, I can imagine that. And that's just fine. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that's something that the House of Representatives should be passing resolutions against either. In fact, um... You know, there were Italians before there was a state of Italy. The state of Italy wasn't around till the late 19th century. So I think that it, that certainly is fine. Uh, I'll, I'll comment on the other side of the top of the hour. Your influence counts. Use it.